Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you to all of you who shared your thoughts on last week's podcast episode. I'm so grateful that so many of you gained so much from that conversation around breakups and betrayal and heartbreak. I, I swear I've been receiving all of these comments on Instagram and messages from from many of you, and each one is touching my heart and my soul. If you haven't listened to that, it was episode 250. And we talked about how, well, I talked about how betrayal and breakup and, and and heartache and how all of those parts of life can lead to a deeper sense of sovereignty and knowing yourself and actually be quite a gift, even if it doesn't feel like that way in the moment. Today's episode is with an incredible guest, a man who is blowing my mind. His name is Stephanos Safandos, and he is a relational alchemist, international speaker, and author who facilitates transformational growth through neuroempowerment practices and integration of spiritual praxis and Western psychology to improve, evolve, and enhance the quality of your relationships. By integrating the best of Eastern and Western methodologies and philosophies and using technique methods, Stephanos has created programs and systems to enhance the quality of your life, your relationships, and in essence, bring them closer to their potential. Ooh, the universe, as I talk about in this episode, has been trying to bring me and Stephanos together to create some podcast magic. He's just popped up in my world in several places over and over and over again. And since that happened and I was introduced to him by a mutual friend, I've been following his work and I so honor and commend him for doing this work in our world because what we need right now is more than ever more women stepping up being leaders and teachers and guides and being truthful, vulnerable, authentic, and brave and courageous. And we also need men to be doing the same. We also need men to be stepping up, leading men's groups, and showing other men what it looks like to lead relationships, to be warriors, to be conscious, to slow down, to feel their feminine. And Stephanos is a wonderful leader for all of these things, which you are about to find out. I'm going to share two things before we go into the interview. Like I said, recently I'm doing this new segment called My Musings, and this morning I am going to be sharing a musing that comes from one of my previous one-on-one clients, actually. So she sent me an email and said, Maddie, this morning I made a big decision of breaking up with my boyfriend, kind of on a whim and after the heat of an argument. I told him I was done with us and headed to work, crying in my car the entire way. I've been pretty emotional throughout my morning, but I took my lunch and went to the gym. I now feel okay and somewhat neutral. I'm an emotional authority. She's referring to human design. And from what I understand about this, when I feel clear on something, that usually means I'm making the right decision. However, I'm questioning this even though I feel pretty clear. How do I know if I'm feeling clear or I'm just suppressing emotions that I'm used to pushing down? Okay, so... I think to some extent we can all relate right now just to the sensation of our emotions building up and then we make a call or we slam the door or we say something we may not mean or we may mean, but we didn't mean to say it in that way. So I don't know how this, um, I don't know how her, her situation has ended up. Um, and this was sent to me a few weeks ago. So I'm coming forward sharing my perspective 
from a human design point of view, but also just bringing it down to earth and talking from my heart and how I feel about this situation. First thing I'll say, I I so feel for you, my love. I understand that these the heat of the moment can feel so real and so intense. And um, a lot of times when we make these kind of calls very quickly, we're moving from a state of reactiveness and impulse and, yes, sometimes repressed emotions. So maybe there have been things that have been bothering you that you have been repressing over the past year, two years, three years that you haven't been bringing up. So this is a personal journey of clearing our throat chakra and learning how to speak again. Because for so long, we weren't safe to speak our truth and speak what we need and make requests. So as women, one of our jobs now is to learn how to speak what we need. So there's a reason why you kind of on a whim, after the heat of an argument, slammed the door and said you were breaking up. Probably, it's not just because you were angry in that moment. This is a big decision. It's because... There is a multitude of things that were most likely going on either, and this is, you know, I'm imagining, I'm only thinking about this with the information I've been given, but I imagine there are some parts of you that haven't been truly revealed. Your pain, your pain that he doesn't pay attention to you, doesn't see you, doesn't hold you, isn't conscious with you, isn't present with you. There is a... Uh, a a source of grief underneath your anger and underneath your grief is a desire and a yearning. So it could start with, I'm angry that you said this thing to me. Underneath that is I'm grieving that you don't want to treat my heart with care. And underneath that is the desire to see me, love me, hold me. And that, when we learn how to feel and embody and then express that, we have the power to evoke within our partner what it is that we want. And we have to choose to do this intentionally, right? This isn't going to be your first response to, I'm going to open my heart and reveal how I really feel about this situation. No, most likely, what you've been taught to do is slam the door, head on to work, cry in your car, in privacy and secrecy. So my encouragement is before jumping to that resolution, if you haven't done these pieces, you know, it's different if you've revealed your heart, revealed your heart, done the work, showed him how you felt, talked to him about how you felt, communicated, and you're still not getting him to wake the heck up. That's different from you hiding your truth, not revealing how you really feel, and then getting mad that he's not seeing you and hearing you because you're really not showing the depths of your yearning. And that's what we want to do. In regards to human design, an emotional authority, this is how it's best explained with your emotional authority. It, it, it's kind of the opposite of what you were saying in this email. So it's not that um, in a moment. So let me, let me rewind in a moment. You may feel that you're clear, but that's because as a, projector with an emotional authority, whatever you feel in that moment may feel like clarity, but it's always dependent on your emotions. So if you're having a great day, you're going to feel great about saying yes to that date on Friday. If you're having a terrible day, you may say no to that date on Friday. So if you're in a bad mood, you say might say no to this relationship. If you were in a great mood, you'd say yes to this relationship. So the best way to think about this is right now, it may feel like a yes to breaking up. 
okay, check in with yourself tomorrow morning. Does it still feel like a yes when you have a different mood? Because in the morning you may wake up with a different mood. Or does it change? Okay, at noon, check in. Are you still a yes? If you're consistently a yes, no matter if you're in a bad mood, a good mood, a sad mood, elated, whatever it is, it's a yes. That is your that is your truth. If it's a yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, my encouragement to you is not to make any decisions until it's consistently one thing. It consistently feels in your body, in your gut, in your emotions like a yes. So these my musing questions are only supposed to be about three minutes in my answer. I definitely went over that today. <laughs> but send in your musings to my email, hello at maddiemoon.com, and I will pick if I'm going to share it on the show because we love these questions. Next thing I want to share, if you want to hear more and learn more about how to reveal, well, my love, you have to go into your feminine. I'm talking to all of you right now. You have to go into your feminine. So the feminine is energy. The feminine is about revealing. The feminine is about your heart, your truth. It's not about surrendering and letting go. That's a part of it. That's a part of all human beings. But with the feminine, it is about embodiment, expression, rage at times, right? There is a way that we can rage and be angry in our feminine. Hint, it's when we're connected to the heart and our heart is remaining open. It's where we demand from our lover and from life only the best because we love them so deeply. There's a difference between demanding the best from your lover because you expect nothing less because you know they're a warrior and closing your heart and saying, you always do this to me. This sucks. I don't like you. The difference, one of them, one of those emotions, even if it's anger, brings you closer to the person actually can create connection. And the other one takes you further away and cuts off the connection. There's no possibility. You are out of the realm of possibility. So if you're wanting to learn how to be okay with your own anger and your own sadness, to be okay with yearning for love, if you're wanting to learn how to feel your feelings, make friends with your shadow side, Learn how to speak with empowerment and stop watering down your language. Touch base with your inner child. Learn how to feel pleasure in your body again. Learn how to embrace your inner warrior. Create rituals that feed your feminine spirit. If you're wanting to do all these things, my love, this is why I've created the Feminine Spirit School. And this is the way to work with me right now. I'm actually... Ta-da, I'm taking a step back from one-on-one coaching. Uh, this has been in the works, I would say, for the past year. Not the program, not the course, but backing out of one-on-one coaching. Um, and now I am feeling very clear that the Feminine Spirit School is where I'm pouring my attention and my heart into for now. So if you are wanting to step into everything I just shared and you want to do it with sisterhood and you want to do it in a group of women and feel connected the Feminine Spirit School is most likely going to be for you. And as of right now, I'm doing an early bird special, $250 off, no matter if you are doing the all upfront option, which is cheaper, or you are doing an installment plan. Both of those get $250 off. The all upfront gets an additional $50 off, so $300 off for that. And then the payment plan, $250 off. And once 20 women have signed up, under those early bird tickets, then I will go to the re- quote, regular price. So if you want to get into the Feminine Spirit School, go ahead and sign up. We start officially together because I want to start as a group on May 27th. So there's still some time, but that doesn't mean that the early bird tickets will have lots of time. Another thing I'll mention is that there are live 
uh, calls inside of the group. So I will do at least a minimum of two either Facebook Lives or I'll gather your questions and do a recorded audio. Sometimes I'm more in a flow with um, with doing pre-recorded, but I'll still gather your questions, right? So that's something amazing about the program and the course. And the other thing I wanted to mention is the way we do the feminine is even more important than what we learn about the feminine, okay? So the way you take in this information is is a stronger way to connect with your own feminine than even what you're listening to and learning and what you're journaling. What I mean by that is, are you absorbing this course fast and quick and stressed and rigid? Or are you absorbing this course slowly in your body while you breathe? To help you with this, one module releases per week. And in the middle of the program, there is one week off. There's, there's an integration implementation week where that week you just have to gel. So I'm doing it this way to ensure that this is not a program and a course that feeds into your masculine energy as you learn about the feminine. I want you to slow down. I want you to breathe. So therefore, I'm helping you with that, but giving you one module per week to work on. Plenty of assignments in each one. Um, sometimes there's only one big assignment, but that normally is all you need to have big breakthroughs. And the rest of the magic can be happening in your Facebook group. And if you do not have Facebook, that is perfectly fine. You do not need Facebook to do the um, to do the course. And on top of this, what I'm thinking I'm going to do is create a WhatsApp group for everyone. So if you don't have Facebook, no worries. I'll get everyone into a WhatsApp group. I will have a link in there so you can either be connecting on Facebook or connecting on WhatsApp. In my experience at my retreats, everyone loves the WhatsApp group and they're talking years later. I think that is the even stronger way to connect. The Facebook will be great for um, any any questions y'all want to ask each other or when I do my videos and recorded, recorded lectures, I can put them in there, uh, the bonus ones. And that way, if you aren't on Facebook and you are in the WhatsApp group and you miss one of the Facebook Lives, if I do a live, you can just ask everyone, hey, send me the link or hey, can you email that video to me? And we can all do that for you. So... That is a way everyone feels included. Remember, it's only a, a, a small amount of time where it is two fifty off. So if you want to join maddiemoon.com slash feminine dash spirit. And you can get in the school there. I don't know exactly when the next launch will be. So if you are interested, there's a payment plan. Makes it super duper easy. I am so looking forward to seeing those of you who join in the group. And without further ado, let's go head on over to listen to the wise wisdom of the incredible Stephanos. Stephanos, welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. I just have to point out that I truly believe the universe has been trying to get us mm. into each other's spaces because when I look at your close friends and the podcasts you've been on and 
I think yesterday I saw a post by uh, Greg Woodhill and you had dinner with him, who I just yeah. had on my podcast and you're friends with Josh Trent. Yeah. And, and like, you're so in this relationship, but even deeper than that, like healing the masculine wounds. And also, I know you work with women, so healing a lot of the feminine wounds and, and how it all funnels into polarity and relationship and love and trust. Mm -hmm. So with all of that said, I am so excited to have you on the show today. I'm super excited to be. It's a pleasure. And I have to be that, that human being and say, Oh my God, I love your accent. I just can't wait to listen to you talk for the next hour. I think that every time I hear you speak, I'm like, Oh, it's so, so beautiful. This, I love this accent so much. I don't know what it is. Americans love the Australian accent. We we grew up on American film, and so for us, for me, it's the norm. Hearing an American accent is the norm. I think it's it's such a big thing over over here. My fiance Christine, she I mean, she loves my accent. I personally, I do not like the Australian accent at all. That's, That's so funny. This yeah. is so interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another connection there. So I actually was in communication with Christine years ago. We mm. were going to be on each other's podcasts a long time ago. And oh. then also on top of that, my speech coach is her speech coach. If you know Jamie. Oh. No, I don't. I don't. But we actually were speaking about um, speech coaching the other day because I was thinking, oh, I think maybe I would like to re begin to refine a little bit more. You know, always evolve and improve, right? Um, and we we're actually speaking about that two or three days ago. Oh, well, that maybe that's a sign. Sending yeah, I think so. Way. And it's yeah, and I think it's a sign that now we're on this podcast, and I'm I'm going to put the introduction again to, together with you and Christine, so you can be on each other's podcast because you're two epic people. So that'll be amazing. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, she's such a yeah. she's so amazing, and it's so interesting. <laughs> I was watching a show. She was on a TV show, and then I saw it, and I was just watching her from afar on this relationship TV show. It's just yeah. so it's so interesting how ginormous our world is. Yes, ginormous, yeah. but at the same time, so small. Paul. Yeah, 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 I agree with you. So I want to know one first thing from you before we even go into your journey and uh, the topics that I have uh, yeah. for us today. But I want to know in life, in general, in your life, what are you currently really musing about? What has you fascinated in life? Oh, so Madeline, honestly, so many things right now. I, I, my, my body's getting amped up just, just at the beginning stages of responding to that question. Firstly, I'm going to say my obsession with Vedanta and the Bhagavad Gita and <clears throat> ancient wisdom. Full stop. Uh, my relationship, and this is in no particular order, my relationship with my beloved, with Christine, that is deepening and deepening more and more and becoming richer and fuller every day. And the, the effect and, and also not only the effect but the input that I'm having into that and how I'm growing as an individual. And so really growth and expansion itself, it's, it's taken us to our edges, it's taken us to beautiful places within within the being within the within the mind within the within our own sovereignty i'll speak for myself more than anything else i'm i'm excited about that growth and that expansion i'm so excited about my service in the world and, and what i'm giving and what i'm creating and producing and the amazing people that are, are coming into my life and not only helping me 
create, but co-creating together the opportunities that I'm just from being here in the US, from making some really big decisions in my life and and just that service and, and particularly in the realm of relationships, in the realm of sacred union, conscious relationships and and cultivating and, and defining and redefining masculinity in contemporary times. Um, I'm, I'm so excited about the biohacking that I'm, I'm involved in. I'm not a massive fan of biohacking, but the, 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 the physiological up-leveling that uh, I'm, I'm involved in at the moment as well with my own body and experimenting with certain certain practices and, and supplements and so forth, more practices than anything else. And so I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm excited about this, what we're doing right now. I, I, I had a mandate this, uh, this at the beginning of the year to to really be on be on at least 100 podcasts for 2019 and and the reason for that the the primary reason was to have epic conversations with epic people and really start to connect with more amazing heart-centered beings here in the u.s and i'm doing that and i'm just i feel like i feel so blessed living how I'm living right now. So I know that's a mouthful. So <laughs> sorry if that's a bit too much, but that's where I'm at right now. I love it because it shows how many different things you're currently into at the same time. And yeah. it shows that you can be incredibly passionate in pursuing one, in, in, depending on where you are in your life, one big purpose of like how you're trying to create some change. But then also you're a human mm-hmm. being who has all these different sides and interests. And so I'm really, yeah. I'm curious, um, since your engagement, congrats, by the way, Thank you. since Thank you. your engagement, have you noticed, would you say it's almost because of the engagement that you and Christine have got, have gone deeper, even, even deeper into your relationship, have certain questions, uh, topics, vulnerabilities come up due to that, or does that, has that not made any sort of difference in the deepening aspect Oh, it's a really interesting question. I yes and no. So I feel it as a as a posturing, as a, a symbolism. It's allowed us to go deeper, it, because it's defined itself as a commitment, a deeper commitment to each other and to our own growth. And so for me, and and for for us in this instance, we we define sacred union. It's a, it's a constant definition. We define sacred union and and conscious relating in quite a specific way, and we, we do our best to oh, – we're human, of course, so we, we falter, for lack of a better term at times, but we're always doing our best to come back to this – this um, it's not so much a definition, it's a posturing again, it's this posturing, this embodiment of what sacred union is. And so the engagement allow, and I'll go into how we define and how I define it, of course. I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave anyone hanging. <laughs> but the, the engagement was part of that. But what was probably more important, and, and the engagement was a byproduct of this, was our commitment and our willingness, and that's a key word here, willingness, to, to go into depth and breadth of the relationship and really be and, and carry presence, be present to what unravels, whether it be whether it feel really amazing or whether it feel really fucking hard, 
whether it be really difficult. And so whatever that edge was, whatever that challenge was, to really meet it with as much grace and openness as possible, but more importantly, willingness. When fear would arise, because it does. People think that conscious relationships or or sacred union or, or health, just healthy, intimate relationships don't meet any uh, difficulty or challenge. It's, it's the, if anything, it's the antithesis of that. And, and you do, but it's how you meet it that defines you and defines us. So we've we've gone through some hardship because we've really accelerated our relationship. And so, and I can go into some details around that. Very happy to go into details around that. And so that hardship, what it's done for us, it's giving us an it's given us an opportunity to say, okay, can we meet this in a very different way than we have in the past? Can we meet it with a greater spiritual maturity, with a greater connected maturity? Can we meet it and be really willing to explore the fears that are coming up between us and within us? And and the engagement has been a a, a step along the road uh, because it's again, it's just another another expression of deeper commitment, which is, has, has ingrained our commitment and willingness to, to continue to observe as opposed to being violently triggered by, when I say violently, I mean internally triggered by, by pain and fear that may arise from just being naturally deeply intimate with, with another human being. So the way that it sounds to me is that you have used this as an invitation Yes. An invitation for deeper opening. And yes, there's going to most likely still be those triggers, but the triggers don't funnel mm. into closure. It funnels mm. into opening. And I want to talk with you about uh, relationships, of course. I've got some really good questions around this, but also I actually want to talk also about gender. And I'm mm. really curious. So you were sent my way by our mutual friend, Josh Trent, when mm. he knew that I was doing this series called Trusting Our Men. And mm. that's how I'm connected with Greg Woodhill also. He was in yeah. the series. And, and you were someone I had actually kept my eye on. And I was really, really intrigued by the work that you're doing in the world. And so a lot of the Trusting yeah. Our Men Again series is around how do we trust, obviously, men again? Mm. What mm. is men's work to do in this world to be more trustable? What is our work to do in this world to be more trustable and trusting? So it's mm. not just about women trusting men again. It's vice versa and creating mm. more safety and containers and what we need. So one of the questions we asked at the beginning of this, and I really want to ask this for you, is what do you find, especially in this work that you're doing with men and women, <clears throat> is coming up in the current state of gender affairs with trust? And what would you say, like, this question is, is really around what's coming up for you when mm. you're working with men and women as we're trying to find this sacred holy ground to come together and trust each other. What do you want to see more of in the work men do and the work women do to create mm. this ground? Mm. For me, let me begin with women and purposefully as well. And so... In, in my life, I've been very blessed to have amazing women come to me and I've come to them and they've been in my life. They've been in my periphery and they've been in my immediate awareness. And I've learned so much. When I was with these women, whether it be an intimate romantic partnership or whether I had these women in my life as, as, a, as friendship or as, as mentors, whatever it may be, I, I didn't really learn as much because I was so closed off hint, hint, into some of the work men need to do. 
I was so closed off. My heart was closed. My mindset was rigid. I was very stuck in my ways. I was either very withdrawn and wouldn't even bother communicating whatever truth I had, or I was aggressive and hyper in my communication and extreme in my communication, so emotionally aggressive in my communication and very stubborn. And so what I found, which I couldn't appreciate at the time until really this relationship here with Christine, because I did such deep work leading up to this and still do, of course, but consciously chose to be open, was Christine would and does meet me with deep compassion and deep non-judgment. And so being met with non-judgment and compassion by a woman, irrespective of how I'm behaving, and I've had, the, again, I've experienced this many times in my life, and I, and I, did, I did really accept it and, and I really did acknowledge it in, in one of my mentors a couple of years ago when I was going through a really difficult, difficult time. She, she brought that out in me as well. And so this compassion and non-judgment, to be met with that as a man by a woman is so deeply healing, revealing and freeing. Mm. And so when we're asking about what is the work that women can do, and I know it's difficult, I get it. I get that it's challenging. I only get it from my perspective. I also am not naive to that. I get that there's been oppression, there's been segregation, I get that there's been a distance between men and women on, on various fronts and women haven't been treated with equity. They haven't been treated with reverence at a societal level, a collective level, geopolitical level, socioeconomic level, even individual level, familial level, a cultural level. I get that. And when that happens, that compassion and non-judgment, when, when a woman meets a man with that, it's so liberating for men. It really is. And it requires persistence and patience. It really does. And so the, the work that men need to do is to learn how to receive that because receiving is a feminine energy, is a feminine quality, expressive quality that men haven't been able to tap into. I, I, I'm still learning how to really receive. I'm so abundant in the life that I have around me and it's really quite new for me on so many different levels I, I, I because I learned from a young age because of my conditioning and because of my upbringing I grew up in a very volatile environment receiving was very difficult for me and I carried that attitude on into my adult relationships and my adult life and as a man I struggled to receive I'm more of a giving doing giving doing energy and so my self-worth was for so long predicated on my productivity and what I did for others and therefore how others saw me. And so receiving is very difficult for men. And that's why we become with posture, defensiveness, and sometimes even attack because there's parts of us that don't deem ourselves worthy to receive. And there's reasons for that. Part of it is because we're not taught how to emote cleanly and clearly as young children. We're not taught how to tap into the spectrum of emotions that we have access to. That's part of the reason. And so we're, de we're almost deficient. We're, we're, we feel fractured. Even though we're not broken and fractured, we feel that way. We perceive ourselves that way at some level, generally unconscious. Therefore, we're not whole. Part of that is that we're giving in these extremes and not able to receive. And so the work that men really need to do in today's day and age, there's, there's, 
various aspects to this. There's essentially being good men and being good at men. And being good at men is a separate conversation. But the the part around being good men comes to being open in our hearts, being open in receiving, knowing that we can lead without oppression, that we can lead without autocracy, that we can really be present without having to be aberrant or violent or 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 oppressive or having to be this 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 pillar of of complete strength in in a in a in a masked way we can remove we need to remove our masks and we need to start getting very real with what we're feeling and what we're experiencing and we need to begin to explore the unknown aspects of self because again the mystery of life the unknown it's a feminine expressive energy or feminine state and we have to tap into more of that it doesn't mean that we renounce our masculinity it means by doing so that's part of the path to gaining healthier masculinity and healthier postures of what it means to be a healthy man. An example of that is the leadership aspect. We can still lead, but how we lead is important. What the come from is the intention. Is it coming from fear because we're not enough or because we feel we're going to lose something, lose our status, lose our material wealth, lose our power? Or is our leadership coming from a place of, I want to be of service, I want to grow as an individual, as a man, and I want those around me to grow from me being an inspiring leader, for myself primarily, but for others as well. And so the come from is different. It becomes more of a what I call selfish, selfless construct, where there's equity in our decision-making. We're thinking about ourselves and thinking about others instead of just thinking about what can we gain, what can we gain, which is a hyper-selfish fear-based attitude. So the me- the work that men need to do is really be more open to what's happening within themselves and open to receiving from uh, the external world, women, and from the internal world, from their own feminine construct as well. Mm. Mm. I love this perspective because it's – it can be applied, at least in, in my point of view, because I'm thinking about my audience and how a lot of them actually, it it feels like there is, this goes across the board. And I love that you're saying specifically men need to open and um, the gift behind being compassionate as a woman mm. towards the man opening and feeling non-judged. And then also when I flip-flop it, because I think, a lot of women are also in that very, very masculine role of doing, giving, doing, giving. And, mm. and it's so hard to open up and to show because the counterpart, yeah. the, let's say the man in this relationship might not know how to hold space and mm. be the one to nurture in that instance. So it's just yeah. so interesting how it, this is always just this divine little ping pong ball that's going back and forth. (laughs) But then the question begs, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And Mm. how can a relationship, let's take a woman who has, um, let's take a woman who has been in this nurturing role for a lot of her life and was abused in that. Like she had her own needs neglected. And let's take a man who is given, 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 given and and done and been that leader. And then he also has felt taken advantage of or not listened to Mm. or not nurtured. How would you take two people who are hurt in the same way mm. and then, um, mm. of course, they find each other because that's what we do mm. whenever we're <laughs> unconsciously attracting in what we're not really consciously healing. And yep. uh, they love each other, though. So what would you mm. say if there's two people that are needing this exact same thing from each other, where to begin? Yeah, complete paradigm shift. 
a complete paradigm shift is what's required. And so it's not about who goes first, even though healthy masculinity is about leadership. Why wouldn't, if, if masculine and feminine traits, expressive traits are something that reside within every sentient being, then it would, it would make sense that the healthy masculine within a woman, within anyone, would want to take leadership. But here's the interesting thing. It's not about who goes first. It's about both going first. That's, that's the next evolved model. And so when both people are, quote, unquote, doing their work, for the sake of themselves primarily, to, to heal or to equilibrate, to neutralize, to, to move into a greater perception of wholeness, because we're all whole. We just don't, we think we're not. Magic happens. Now, when I'm speaking to men, I, I, the, the way I speak to men, the way I sell them the leadership is you're a man, you need to lead. And when you lead from a healthy place, this is what can happen. This is what the outcome can be. And when I'm speaking to a woman, I'm speaking from a different position. I'm speaking to her, and depending on what her circumstances are, but I'm speaking to her from a place of this isn't about you leading or not leading. This is about you moving to a place that resonates greater with who you wish to be. And so you've had so much practice in leading others. You've been in, in, a, in a heavier masculine construct because society demands that. So society seems to value that more than, than feminine and expressive traits, which is, which is, I don't want to say it's wrong. It's just skewed. It's, 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 it's extreme. And any extreme doesn't, has, doesn't carry any longevity. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that more and more today. And so what I say is take that, the energy of the leadership you had and bring it into yourself. Begin to nurture you. Really bring that into you. Make any changes you want in your life for you. And watch and observe how your environment and people in your environment and in your world respond to you. And that's your power. And you do it for you. And so there's not one or the other. It's both simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And if I had to choose, if I, if I was forced to choose, I would be asking men to cultivate mm-hmm. that healthy leadership and take and take lead. Because when we take responsibility for ourselves, our world changes. Our world shifts according to the level of responsibility that we take and the intention that's behind that responsibility. And in my life, so with Christine, we went through a really difficult time last year because I chose to, and you may be aware of them, there's a, there's a a couple here in North County, San Diego, that that specialise in sexual somatic and psychosomatic work. And Christine had done their work um, early last year and the end of 2017. And it's a bit of a journey. And so I, after doing a session with them, we did some, um, some work with them together. I felt connected and drawn to doing this work. And I knew, and I wasn't coming from a place of, oh, I, I feel broken, I need, I need help. I was coming from a place of I really feel this is the next stage of my evolution, of my own personal growth and expansion, and I want to really deep dive in. And also my, my beloved had done that work, and so it, would, it, would, it made sense for me to be exposed to that together. And so I, 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 I went into that work, and I knew that it would be challenging. I knew that it would bring up really old stuff because it's, it's somatic work. It's cellular work. It's deep. And it did. Madeline, it really did. It pushed me to my edge uh, like never before and in, in a way that I've never experienced. And I've, and I've been in some really dark places. And, but in the, in the past, I've been in dark places on my own in singledom. Now being in a, in, a, in a highly committed relationship, 
that was very different. And Christine felt the brunt of that in many ways. It was very challenging for her. And it was challenging for me. I literally felt like I was losing my mind. And I was. I was losing layers of myself, the ego self, my mind, my, my models of reality. <clears throat> and it was very confronting for both of us. It was, I was behaving in ways I'd never really behaved before. I, 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 it, was, it was very tough, very tough. And in that instance, in various instances during that, that two, the three-month process, essentially, we stuck, we stuck it in there. That's when you said about the engagement. Being engaged was a level of commitment for us that kept us in there as well. Um, I made a decision, I need to lead this. I need to make changes for me. Because if I do that, I know that Christine will respond to that. And in her own being, she was making that decision as well by saying, I'm going to keep meeting him with compassion and judgment and I know he'll respond to that. <clears throat> but I made that decision for me as a man. I said, I need to, I need to lead this for me because this is the type of man I want to be. I don't want to be someone that's passive. I don't want to be someone that sits on the sidelines. I don't want to be someone that's bathed in weakness. And I don't mean weakness in the conventional sense, I mean not being willing to look at my fears, mm. not being willing to look at the lessons and the teachings and the, the growth and the wisdom and the, the, the gems that come from going through into our fears. And I made that decision from a place of internal leadership. And so back to your original question about who goes first, chicken or egg, neither. New paradigm. Can you share the name of those teachers? I'm really curious who they are. Yes, of course. Jonathan Heiker. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Beautiful human beings. There's so much within this. Um, I'm, my brain is just firing off in so many different areas. <laughs> because first I just want to make <clears> – <throat> I want to um, ground into what you're saying here about mm. the masculine leadership. And I am 110% in the belief that it, it, we're constantly, like I was saying about the ping pong, we're constantly feeding off of each other. The masculine mm. energy is within every single person. I've gone over this many times on this podcast, so they know, I think by now, um, it's always a harmony within each one. But when there is a healthy masculine that's doing the work in life, the masculine is so concerned with purpose, it really is, is strongly connected to purpose, right? And so mm -hmm. the purpose of the world, the purpose of the relationship, and then the feminine, when it's deeply in the feminine, a healthy feminine is concerned with the love, the love of the world, the love of the relationship. And so we each go deep into that. But given that the masculine energy, like what you are saying, is, is about leadership and purpose and direction, the deeper the masculine heals, the deeper the feminine heals, Mm. And the, yep. fem the feminine healing her wounds right now is also healing the masculine because it's making emotions safe for masculine to feel the deeper we go into it. Yeah. But also when you put it in terms of the leadership role, the deeper the masculine heals, the better he can lead. And that means the deeper the feminine can surrender and open and be that love mm. light she naturally already is. Mm. Yeah. There isn't an instance that I've experienced in my personal practice when I'm working with couples or with men specifically that I have not said you need to lead first like you need to just lead you need to just because I'm appealing to a part of their brain and a part of their cultural understanding of the world and themselves that can really grasp that and as I said before when I'm speaking to women I'm really speaking about taking the responsibility for how they feel 
and how they wish to feel as well. And that's a, that's a, that's a Ooh, human that's thing. That's a sense. Yeah. That's a sentient thing. Cause I don't want a, a woman then to be so reliant on a man for how she feels or any human being for that matter. And I, I don't want anyone to experience codependence. I've experienced so much codependency in my life and it's horrible. And it's also been liberating because it's given me access to go into that and then move through it and understand myself and the world from a different place. But unconscious, unchecked codependency is just not healthy. But there isn't an instance that I, I completely resonate with you. And it's, it's a, it's not an either or thing. It's a, this and right. thing. It's, exactly. it's, it's men you need to fucking lead because in your healthy masculine, that's what you do so well in your purposefulness. And ladies, you need to take responsibility for you because if you don't and you, and you become subservient to another human being or to what they're doing, that's out of your scope of control. It's just not, it's not healthy psychological mature behavior. And, that, and that's part of the healing as well is coming into balance with that. And then once we can heal that, once we can come into balance, and there's, a, there's an equilibrium there, there's this dance that's that's more fluid. It's a, it's a it's a smoother dance. Then we can assume different leadership roles within the relationship. Mm-hmm. Then 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 we can start talking more specifically to okay, as a man, if you do this, this is powerful. As a woman, if you do this and be this, this is powerful as well. And an example of that would be if a man – so when two people are in, in a healthier dynamic where they're, they're living in, in defined by out of their shadow self. You mentioned it earlier. They're, they're, it's the unconscious triggering is in there. They figured out why they're together. They figured out that they really attracted their parents, their primary caregivers, and what they did and did not receive both consciously and unconsciously, and they're doing the work around it. There's awareness around that. So they're not in the shadow. They're not, they're not in a shadow-based relationship. So that's number one, defines a healthy relationship as an example. <clears throat> and then once they move into more open states of communication and connection, it's, it's, it's really beautiful when a man just leads. Simply as, darling, uh, I'm organising dinner tonight and just be ready by 6 p.m. <laughs> just as just simple. Yeah, see, see your reaction? <laughs> yeah. Just the simplicity of that. Just just the simplicity about it. Now, that's not to say that a woman can't come into the relationship, but, hey, what are you doing in a month's time? Have you got three days free over the weekend in your schedule? Yeah, I do. okay, great, I'm organising a short trip to the Bahamas or whatever. That's not saying that a woman can't do that or that it's masculine and, oh, no, she's not allowed to do that. Of course she can. Well, we're talking about a man taking steed in the relationship for who he is and what, what experiences he wishes to offer the woman in his life, in, in, and I'm talking in a normative heterosexual relationship, but also remember we're talking about masculine feminine energies that reside in, in all people as well, okay? And so, again, this is just a perspective and a vantage point, and for me it's based in biology, it's based in evolutionary theory as well, or evolutionary processes, and it's based on and what, what, what resonates and what, what hums in a relationship, what allows a relationship to really hum? You know how often I get, Madeline, I get women coming up to me that are career women and very successful women outwardly in the world. So they're very they're, they're wealthy or they're, they have monetary success and they have material wealth and material success and status and all of that. And they come to me and they're so tired of supporting their men emotionally, financially, like they just, it's such a sticking point for them. It, it's, it's, it, for lack of a better term, it's ugly for them. And the relationship doesn't last and it causes so much friction and problems. Uh, it's countless how many women come to, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. I'm sure there are other practitioners, coaches, mentors, whatever, and other people that witness this. I'm sure you potentially witness this as well. 
And so it's telling us something about the human condition and, and psyche and, and, and gender. And gender, gender studies is such a complex study because it is an integration of biology and evolution and culture and how culture environments shape the way we think and feel about each other and ourselves. It's not an easy conversation to have, mm. but it's mm. a beautiful one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, mm. oh God, all of this is so like healing to hear. And I, there's something very specific that you were talking about that I want to slow down just a little bit more. So people gain the clarity that they really need to understand this component. You had said, and you spoke a little bit on it, but you were talking about how women need to take responsibility for like their, their emotions mm. because so often we need validation first. Mm. Um, we need to get the, and I'm using need like very loosely, like not literally we need this first, Mm. but like Mm. we think we need a Mm. validation. We think we need confirmation. And even when we feel something, that logical aspect of ourselves, like you were saying, especially if we're taking care of our partner, taking care Mm. of our family, our nervous systems are kind of shot. (laughs) They're Mm. exhausted trying to take care of everything. And so also it's hard to shift between I am going to do, do, do and lead. And then I'm going to be my juicy feminine flow. Like that kind Mm. of agility, agility takes so long to Uh, really understand and sink into your body. Cause it all starts Mm. with the body first understanding it and like embodying it. And because we live in such a analytical, logical world, taking responsibility and actually feeling what comes up for you and handling that and having sovereignty with that is really challenging. So could mm. you give an example of what that would truly look like in relationship when an emotion comes up and what you see often happens that they brush it to the side or second guess it. And then what mm. taking ownership of that emotion, regardless of what happens around them, what would that look like? Mm. Great question. And so, and so when we, when, when a woman, because you've, you've referenced a woman, doesn't take responsibility for herself, she's perpetuating passivity and she's perpetuating a victim-based uh, mentality. And so what that does, that reinforces the need for men to behave in a particular way as well. And so the, the, the truth can be opposite for men as well. When they behave in a particular way, it reinforces the way a woman needs to behave with a man and so forth. And so we're perpetuating this unhealthy paradigm. And so this question around uh, an emotion. So if a woman feels helpless, if a woman feels she requires or needs the validation of someone else, and so, for example, if she's in uh, a, a normative heterosexual relationship and she's with a man who doesn't understand her or doesn't give her what she needs, maybe she needs more quality time or attention. Maybe she needs more physical touch. I mean, you're familiar with the love languages, yeah? Yeah. Can yeah. I, can I ex- offer yeah. a specific example here? Yeah, please. So let's pretend like this woman and, and him just had sex and then he quickly yep. gets up and leaves. <laughs> Yeah. And he just says that every time and she thinks yeah. she's crazy. And this is, yeah. I, this sounds very specific. Like it's coming up for me. It's not, but yeah. I do have this as a pain point and, and I know yeah. a lot of women do as well. And yeah. like yeah. the second guessing of, am I crazy? Am I being too, too girly to wish that he'd stay in the bed? So there's an example maybe. Yeah. That's a really cool example. And so we're going back to, because essentially, essentially this is around self-responsibility and how we feel around ourselves. And so, a mature relationship or a, a person that's more connected to not only themselves but also to what's happening in the environment would say, 
what is why is he behaving that way and why am I feeling this way and so what's in it for me to learn and why is he behaving that way because I guarantee you he's behaving that way for a couple of reasons it's a social conditioning maybe it's a, um, um, a familiarity with pornography and how pornography what pornography teaches us um, as men and as, as people with this mainstream pornography it could be because he has intimacy issues. He's really, really embarrassed of himself. He's, 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 he finds it difficult to go deep into emotion. Having sex is he can he can a man can compartmentalize having sex with emotional connection. And so there, there could be reasons as to where he's coming from. He's wounding his pain. And simply just understanding that and, and wanting to understand that can give context and internal perspective to the woman. But beyond that, it's not that it's a bad thing or that she's too girly or that she's not, she's too reliant or codependent. The fact that she wants intimate emotional connection post a physically intimate act there's nothing wrong with that at all. I want to be really clear on that. There is nothing wrong with that. It's just what what is the come from? And this is for this is where in that moment that woman has an opportunity to ask herself and go deep into what's my come from? Why do I want this? Is it coming from desperation? Is it coming from fear? Is it coming from abandonment and rejection? Or is it coming from a, a yearning to just really deeply connect with another human being at this level? And if that's, let's say, let's assume the latter, she comes to the conclusion that the latter's it. It's really just that. And if that man can't meet her needs, her emotional needs, and what her preferences are to be in relationship, and what her non negotiables are in terms of how she experiences, gives, and receives deep love and intimacy and connection, she then needs to make a decision that if he's not willing to shift that, and not that he's potentially not for her. Mm. And that, that's that, and that's that. I, I get that scary to make that decision as well. But we have to start with what's our come from. And so, in in that, if a woman came to me with that, I would be saying, oh, "What's your come from? Let's explore why you want that. It's not wrong that you want that. It's beautiful that you want that because it's insight into who you are. Let's unpack that." Mm, yeah, the the piece that you just shared about then coming to make a decision. That is where mm. the difference between you continuously re-traumatizing your old wounds happens yes. or yes. you change everything in your lineage. Yeah. You have sovereignty yep. and ownership. Oh. And it's Intergenerational, really, tra- transgenerational change. Oh, massively. Mm. And it, you also, you're ceasing to perpetuate a victimhood mentality. This always happens to me. Why do I choose men like this? Yes. And then the yeah. minute you become aware of it, you have this new degree of responsibility then for slowing yes. down and looking at what's really truly coming up for you. And I also love what you said about like non-judgmentally looking at the whys. Why do I want yeah. this? Because sometimes one thing I, I very much know, and you know this as well, I'm sure, is that the, the feminine is deeply, deeply connected with her desire her desire, her mm. longing, her love. And mm. so mm. sometimes if, if the sex ends too quickly, it's that insatiable desire for more. For more, Come yeah. back. I want more. I want more. Yeah. I want more. And this is beautiful about us. Yes. And also and, yeah. it's important to look at in case there is this forever desire for more and take sovereignty as well. Like if that's something you truly need is that more time 
great. This is what we need to look at and ask and create in partnership. If it's something you might actually not need, and instead you just want to acknowledge your desire for more, mm-hmm. then that's a path mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and we, we have to stop wronging. We have to stop, mm-hmm. I don't even know if wronging is a word, but whatever. I'm making yeah, I like it. it. We, have, <laughs> we have to stop wronging other people for their needs. And yes, I, and again, this simple question of, so if we, so in that, in that moment where that woman realizes she's in bed and this is the 10th, 12th, 15th, 100th time that he's done that, and she just takes a really deep breath in of disappointment and she just feels sad and she feels disconnected and she feels alone in that moment, what would really serve in that moment would be to take another purposeful two, three, four, five deep breaths and ask two, two really powerful questions. Firstly, what would love do now? Because it completely changes the context of her come from and it gives a greater insight into what her needs are. And two, why is this happening for me, not to me? And the, the victim mentality is immediately shift, shifted. The guilt and shame really drops and she has an opportunity to go into that as a starting position, as a, as, a, as a starting point. We have to stop wronging women for wanting intimacy and wanting. The reason why, one of the reasons why women yearn for deep intimacy is because they have greater access to the spectrum. We come back to the beginning of the conversation here. It's a spectrum of the emotions, of the emotional body that all humans have access to. It's just that women are more tapped into that. And so that's a really beautiful thing that we can learn as men. It, it, it makes us more robust. It makes us more, more nimble in the world, culturally, socially, relationally, emotionally. And, and yet we, we, we refrain. We're so scared of tapping into sadness, tapping into some deeper emotions, whatever they may be, because we're told that really boys don't, boys don't cry or boys are not meant to be vulnerable or boys are meant to contain themselves. We're the container. The feminine is the fluid in the container. And whilst that's very true and I very much agree with that, that container would carry greater integrity when the container actually feels more whole because we have a limbic system. Men have a limbic system. And when we're repressing emotions and isolating ourselves, we're fracturing ourselves uh, mentally, cognitively, we're fracturing our psyche. And so by tapping into different emotions and then learning to express them healthily and in a vertical way instead of just vomiting our emotions out into the world because that's not that's not healthy masculine. But learning how to be with our emotions through processes of self-reliance, through processes of confidence, through deeper process of introspection, again, masculine traits, we then have a capacity to tap into greater aspects of ourselves. We become more powerful essentially, for ourselves and for all people in our lives, for society and for women particularly. Yeah, I love what you just said about the container needing to be more whole because it will be stronger that way. Oh, it makes so much sense and just like feels so good in my body just hearing these words. Um, Mm. So very specific question, Um, Mm. not so much about this, but now looking a little bit more about relationship. Mm. Oh, how do I phrase this one? Okay, so... Something that I have experienced most of my life, and it hasn't been a problem almost ever. Mm. I mean, so I say, I mean, you might ask my exes (laughs) and they wouldn't say that at all, but I have 
I'm a, I'm a Leo. I definitely have this loyalty. I also have like this, you know, um, stubbornness and also the deep ability to claim, which has Mm -hmm. a light and a dark. So the light's Mm -hmm. like, I can, I'm fully all in. And then also I can be claiming in a way like mine, you're mine, you're mine. Mm -hmm. And, um, so something I've been pursuing over the past year is to watch other faithful, loyal men also feel free to absorb the beauty of others, Mm. other women. And Mm. so in my training that I do there, I'm just like secretly observing all of this because I'm trying Mm. to become really, really, really amazing friends with my jealousy. And I received Mm. a question from a woman that said something like, I'm just constantly worried. This is not my fear. I just want to make this clear. Not that Mm. I have any judgment Mm. around it. This just Mm. isn't my fear. And I'll speak about mine, but she said, I am constantly afraid that when my partner looks at other women, he's wanting them and I'm not enough. So this fear mm. is, is toward, uh, absolutely 110% understandable, mm. um, especially considering her own personal journey. Maybe she's been abandoned. Maybe she's been left, cheated on, whatever's come up. Mm. So mm. when it comes to a man, a man who is deeply committed in relationship and also a observing the beauty of the feminine because to truly observe the beauty of the feminine in your partner you want to be able to Mm. open that up to seeing the beauty in all other women all women Mm. because they all hold Mm. beauty so this Mm. feels like a sisterhood wound for women like really truly understanding that the beauty of another person Mm. and another a lover of you are seeing that beauty is not a threat um Mm. so what's my question here if i was to try to formulate this I just, you being in this committed relationship and also doing so much work with women, I'm sure in maybe some way this has come up, either been spoken to you or maybe in your own Mm. relationship, but Mm. in your perspective of a masculine's perspective, what is it important to you to be able to see the beauty in other women? And what would you give to women around this topic of jealousy and not wanting a man's eyes to see the beauty in other women? Mm. it's really dependent on come from this is a this is a massive question that you've asked. i love the question that you've asked and it's the the, the exploration of this topic it's, it's very deep it's there's so much to this essentially what is the intention that come from you know when i speak from my own previous experiences when i was not connected to my own truth when i was living in, in a great deal of guilt and shame and i wasn't addressing my fears around commitment and freedom and the trauma that i experienced the violence that i experienced as a young child and when i wasn't in that place that was addressing that and really clearer with who i was when i was looking at women I was acknowledging their beauty and I was also looking to them, all different women, as almost something that would save me and give me reprieve. And so for me, and I'm again speaking from personal experience here, for me, when I was I was I was unfaithful in so many of my relationships and really, really unfaithful. And for me, instead of it was a distraction. Instead of turning to drugs or alcohol, or I mean, I, I worked. I worked. Workaholism was something that I that I did, and and extreme fitness as well was something else that I did to to try and subside this pain, this unconscious pain that I had that was unaddressed within me that I, I couldn't figure out what it was about. And women was that for that as well for me. So when I was in relationship and intimacy, we'd be deepening the intimacy and the, even the communication around our lives. 
I would start to really panic. I'd have this feeling of annihilation that I wasn't being free because I grew up and I observed a very unhealthy, for lack of a better term, toxic relationship with my parents. The way they interacted with each other was disgusting and really, really, really unhealthy and really sad. It was just, it was aberrant. It was, it was violent the way they interacted, emotionally abusive, hostile, tensile, agitated, frustrated. And I thought to myself, wow, is that what marriage is? So anytime I would be deeper in relationship, I would start to feel a lot of tension. I was thinking, unconsciously, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm going to end up with my parents. And so what I would do is I would go be with other women and I would find reprieve in that. And then it became habitual. It became reinforced by my culture, by my peer, certain peer groups at the time. And so there was there's a lot to this conversation. And so when I changed all that within myself, when I say change, when I really got clear and did deep work and went into the wounding and, and I got external, I sought external help massively and, and really gave context to all of that I was experiencing, when I started looking at women, I started looking at women from a very different place. I, was, I could admire their beauty without needing to have sex with them or without needing to be intimate with them or without needing to seek validation from them about how good I was or how amazing I was or how attractive I was or how healthy I was or how whatever I was, you know, filling in the gaps. And so what I'm getting at is when a man is doing his work and has done his work, the way he looks and admires other women, the come from is very different. Now, Obviously, we have a conversation around monogamy and non-monogamy. Not, not a massive fan of the terms because they're, they're laden with um, they're laden with both of both terms are laden with negative connotation depending on who you speak to. Okay, but essentially, if you're in a non-monogamous relationship, and depending on what style and structure of non-monogamous relationship you're in, it's a different conversation how someone looks at someone else. Uh, and, and when they look at someone else and what, what all of that looks like. And so essentially, though, to go back to the, the origin of your question, to really honour your question, it's not about a woman not being enough when a man looks at another woman. And it's not about a man not being enough when a woman looks at another man, even finds them attractive or sees the beauty in them, physically attractive or emotionally attractive or or just honours their intellect or honours their path or their journey or their, their service to humanity, whatever it may be that they're attracted to. could just be their essence, the way they, they speak, the sound of their voice. If we have to understand that we we are from a biological perspective we are attracted to many different people i mean that's 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 how we, it's survivability it's, we can't be naive to that that doesn't mean that that monogamy or having one partner doesn't work at all or it doesn't mean it can't work or it doesn't mean it's wrong or it's abnormal in any capacity and i know we're not going down a conversation of monogamy the non-monogamy or looking at the differences in the two what I'm saying is that we can still really, if we're both in our healthy state and we communicate clearly with each other and we acknowledge certain truths around who we are as human beings, as sentient beings at a biological level as well, there's nothing wrong. with. And I'll go back to what you said. When I admire another woman in the world and say, wow, this woman's doing amazing things, it inspires me to look at my woman in different ways. And when I say my woman, I don't say that from a place of ownership. And be really clear about that. That's not the energy behind it. 
I just use that term because she calls me her man. I'll call him my I love that term. Could, I'm just like, oh, this is so yeah. sweet. But I get, I get what you're yeah. saying because I could be misinterpreted. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. It's like I don't, I don't, I don't, it's. I'm not coming from a place of I own her. She's a sovereign being, and yeah. and Christine often says, "I I ha- I feel I have roots with you, so I can fly," and that's a really beautiful saying. And I feel honoured that she says that, and I give that to her, or that I give that to her through the postures that I have. And you know, when we first got together, I was I was I was uh, sort of attached and codependent. Because old stuff came up, old wounding came up that I thought I dealt with, but I clearly hadn't because of the context of this dynamic, and this brought out more of me. And the moment I really equilibrated that and really shifted that and made the cho- conscious choices around that, she feels so free. I and mean, you can get her on the phone now. You can ask her. Like she, she, you know, she feels really free because of that. And I'm, and I'm honoured that I can do that. And do I admire other women in the world? Absolutely. Does she? Other men, absolutely. There are men doing amazing work out there that that have attractive qualities. I'm not. It's not about perfection, but I'm not going to be everything to her, and she won't be everything to me. Although, in saying that, I don't have the need to seek for anything else outside of our relationship because I feel full within myself, and I feel content within the relationship, deeply content. And, and there's so much growth that happens here in who we are and how we show up to each other that it's not a matter of me – and don't get me wrong, jealousy unravels itself and we do it's, – it's interesting. Non-monogamous think that people in, mon- in monogamous relationship don't experience jealousy or don't have an opportunity to deal with the jealousy. They feel it's like suppressed and I'm like, uh, I don't understand that. It's any healthy conscious relationship, whether you're non-monogamous or monogamous, is irrelevant. If you're if you're open in that relationship in your communication, you're open with the emotions that you feel, whether it's jealousy, whether it's anger, whether it's, it's frustration, whether you feel disappointed in your partner. I expressed the other week that I felt really disappointed in something that Christine did. And we had that conversation. And it shifted something massively within her and it helped me because in the past, I would have been really aggressive in how I would have expressed that. And I wasn't this time. I was completely different. So I literally was changing my neurological patterns and behavioral patterns. And the way she met that, instead of being hostile towards that or being defensive, she met that with openness, which further reinforced, I'm speaking for me now, further reinforced um, new patterns of behavior and and, and neural patterns for me, brain patterns, Mm. which was great. And then how I met her helped her be more open without being coming from fear, old childhood stuff. And so... This feeds into the question around seeing other people because what happens is when we allow ourselves to really honor what we're feeling and then we're open and honest with our partners around that, whether you have multiple partners or one, it doesn't irrelevant, something happens within you that it stops coming from fear. We stopped coming from judgment. I spent so much of my life not saying what I wanted to say and wearing so many masks. I was scared of how someone would see me. And now if I have something that I need to say to Christine, I say it, even if there's fear there, because I, and that includes if I'm, if I'm admiring someone else, I don't think she's going to see that as because we have, we have trust in our relationship as well and trust in our communication, how we go, how we are going to choose to show up to each other. Because we discuss that openly. We discuss and communicate. These are what, these are the parameters that we want to live our relationship by. This is how we want to communicate to each other. We want to be truthful about 
what we experience internally and externally. And that's what's most important. And whatever, whatever we have, we'll work through it. Whatever we experience, we're going to work through it. And we're honoring enough of each other and we respect and revere each other enough that we would never do anything that's dishonest to each other. Before, so if we're feeling something that needs to come up, then it would come up. So, for example, it, happens, it hasn't happened at this point, but for example, if I came to Christine and said, Christine, I'm really feeling strong emotional feelings or sexual feelings towards another woman, um, we need to talk about this, then we, that, that's, that's how the conversation would unravel. I don't foresee that happening because I'm clear on what I want because of the experiences that I've had, how I've interpreted those experiences and what I've been through in my life. So I have clarity on what I want in, in, in a relationship, and so does Christine. And so, yeah, things change, right? 20 years' time, I don't know, things could be different. And we have frameworks that we have not rules but guidelines that, hey, this is how we're going to communicate to each other because we really deeply respect each other. Mm-hmm. We love each other and we care about each other. And this is how we're going to communicate whatever arises, and we'll deal with it in, in, the, most, in the most loving way possible. Mm-hmm. They're right. the foundations. That is I hope like, I've answered your question. Oh, <laughs> you surpassed, you, you went above <laughs> and beyond in the most amazing way. And there's, yeah, I'm like it, just soaking all of this in. And I completely agree in that we cannot know the future. And we want, as much as we want let's say people who are getting married or in these monogamous relationships really deeply want to have some security in the future and know exactly what's going to happen, which is understandable and reasonable when you love something, someone so deeply, you want it forever. And at the same time, because we're human beings, we don't know if we're even going to live out the rest of the day, the deepest commitment that's even better than knowing what the future is, is saying, I will always take care of your heart. And I yeah. will do things oh. gently and lovingly yeah. and open. And as you said, it's it's amazing to remember that neurons actually are firing off when you're creating new patterns. Yeah. When instead of slamming the door on someone, you leave the door open. And instead yeah. of turning your back to them, you open your chest up and your shoulders and you expose your heart and you allow yourself to be vulnerable in the front of your body, which is like the most vulnerable area and present it to them. And there's a neuron that's firing off whenever you are crying in front of someone openly Mm. and speaking your truth. And they hold that for you safely. And that is always something that a a couple, a relationship, they can continue to move forward and towards. And when you have that, everything can be experienced so much better. I had a recent, like, I mean, I was with someone for about six months and we had such a beautiful relationship and as they now call it conscious uncoupling, Mm. but we had such an open, beautiful experience of, it was painful, but Mm. it was still so open and beautiful in that uncoupling because we kept telling each other eyes locked. I care about you. I care about you. I trust you. I trust you. Like we didn't do it in a ceremonial way, but we would say those kinds of things to each other. And just to remind each other, no matter what happens and no matter that this is painful, we're going to make sure we're good to each other. Mm. I love that. I love that commitment to, to each other and that commitment to yourselves. I, I feel that's very powerful. I love what you said about, I hold your heart. I often say that to Christine. I, I, I really hold your heart. And what I mean by that is that I would never, do anything that's dishonest to you or by you. Never. Mm. And that's that's a given. That I know in the future. That 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 is a given. 
what, 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 how we feel and what, what unravels that we don't know. We can assume and we can guess, and I'm, I've got a really strong guess around that because I'm, I know myself. The, the better we know ourselves, the, the more we can understand who will be in the future and so forth. Uh, and, and, and that's also relevant right now. It's also relevant because what's unraveling between us uh, at a personal level, what we're experiencing between each other, the trust and the intimacy that we're cultivating, we're laying really strong, honest foundations for how we be with each other in the world. So back to that original question, I just think it's really natural to appreciate human beings, to find other people attractive, not just physically or sexually, just in a myriad of ways. And I think that's actually healthy to, to, not, to not block out people's um, gifts, because essentially, if you if you if you're coming from fear and think, well, I can't be attracted to anyone's gifts or the way they are in the world or, or, or what they do, because then my partner may get jealous or I, I may feel like I'm cheating. And we start that's I mean, that's a bit extreme, right? And so, what's the come from? What's the intention? What what really really is the come from? That's that's an important question to ask. And so for me, it's uh, if, if if Christine's speaking about another man and that she admires, she thinks, "Wow, this guy's got this business, or he does this, or whatever it is that he's doing in the world, or being in the world." Maybe jealousy may arise within me. That's for me to look at, and it's also for me to observe how is she speaking about what's her come from too. You know, that's 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 important for me to understand as well. And I have an opportunity if I if I do get jealous, so if I experience jealousy, okay, so what does that mean? How can I grow from this? What what is what actually is transpiring here? That's all. And and honestly, the the level of appreciation that we have for each other is so deep and so profound that unless we purposely do something harmful to each other, that that nothing can penetrate that. Really can't. And that's having trust and faith in yourself yeah. and in your other per- in the person that you're with or the persons that you're with. Oh, okay, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Like this is, I could talk to you on and forever and ever and ever about all of this stuff. So thank you <laughs> for coming on and, and using your own relationship also as an example and sharing your own past as an example of where you've come from and all this work that you've done. And you. do you still have a bit more time? Because I want to do a divine yeah. deep dive round. Okay, great. Yeah, of course. Before we head into that, where can people connect with you online? Yeah, Stefanos Safandos, uh, um, Instagram and Facebook, uh, social media handles essentially Stefanos Safandos, and my, we- my website either stefsafandos.com or stefanossafandos.com. Okay, and I will have those links on the show notes for this. And everyone, absolutely follow him on Instagram. I love your Instagram. <laughs> so beautiful, so poetic. Thank too. you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So divine deep dive round is all about whatever comes up for you first. Some of the questions are a little bit more in depth and some of them are pretty easy. Cool. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Who would you consider at least today to be one of your most profound teachers? Oh, um, Swami Salprigananda. He is a beautiful human being who teaches Vedanta and uh, he's based in New York I think oh. he's a comes from yeah it comes from his I want to visit him he's at the Vedanta Society in New York I'm pretty sure I want to visit him and I'm going to just cheat a little bit and say two more people myself mm. <laughs> and my beloved mm. okay those are absolutely included and allowed <laughs> thank you <laughs> what do you want to be praised for more than anything 
Mm. Willingness. Mm. That's a new one. I like that. Mm. What would you say is one of the best investments you've made over the past year? And it has to be less than $10,000. Oh, Well, it's cost me zero dollars, and it was my willingness to go deeper into the next level of my own evolution in intimate relationship. Hmm. So that one, I love that one, but that one kind of feels like cheating. Like, <laughs> you got to put down money for something. I'm like, part of me is like, yes, let's just leave. That question's perfect. But then another well, part of me is I like, just... no, what did you pay for? Give us something. I, 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 spent, I spent a lot of cash getting here to the U.S. is more than 10K if you want to bump it up a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. That's actually really – that's a really good one. Okay. Yeah, um, the, yeah well, that, that and, and Jonathan Haker as well. But it's, it's just more than your, than your allotted amount. But maybe you know what I could say? I could say um, also getting a one-way ticket to Europe last year. Getting a one-way ticket to Europe last year. That's where I met Christine as well. And so a lot unraveled on that trip, on that journey in Europe. Where you met, met her? That's where I met, met physically oh. met her. That's where I physically met her, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we physically met in, in Greece, yeah. And mm-hmm. and some family stuff happened there as well for me, which was really liberating. And and that was great. So there you go. There's a there's a, a, an yeah. honouring answer. That's a really good one. Yeah, my, the one-way ticket I got to Greece, yeah. That was less than 10K. <laughs> oh, to Europe, sorry, to Europe. What is your favorite meal right now? Oh, you know what? Pasta. Because I haven't, I'm really not eating, and I grew up, I'm half Italian, half Greek, so I grew up on that type of ethnic food. And I, I just very, I, I actually had a plate of pasta the other night at a beautiful restaurant. Um, and it's the first plate of pasta that I've had. I couldn't tell you how long. And it's like, oh, I need more of it, but also don't need a lot of it. <laughs> I know this feeling. I had I had my first plate of pasta in probably like five years, to be honest. Oh, wow. And it was at Universal Studios in California. Like out of all places, we <laughs> needed a meal. The only place we could find was this Italian place. I didn't want a salad. And I was like, you know what? Spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, and it was, to this day, I'm just like, that dish, like, that's what I want more of in my life is pasta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because you don't know when you're going to die. And, like, <laughs> you know, I don't want that my first time to have pasta in, like, five years to be one and done. I want more pasta. I'm so with yep. you. I'm hearing you. <laughs> What's your favorite form of movement? Ooh. Any, any, any type of fight, training, fight movement. So whether it be boxing or whether it be wrestling, like jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I like that type of flow, that type of movement. Yeah. What is one non-negotiable in your morning routine? Um, drinking water. Mm, on a Saturday morning, where are we most likely to find you? Uh, at the beach or training. So training at the beach. <laughs> One of those things. <laughs> Training, but either at the beach or at the gym, but I'd say tr- you, as, as the beach as often as possible. My very last question is what is one practice you would give people? If you were to give a seven-day challenge to do this one thing, what would that be? Mm. Oh, so many. Let's come back to breath. So I would I would practice one minute of deep breathing, How 
however you wish to breathe, one minute of deep breathing, however you wish to breathe, and then every day add one minute to that. So by day seven, you're at seven minutes of just deep breath. That's a good one. Slow, slow, deep breath. That's it, really slow. The, the, The least amount of breaths you can get in a minute without pausing, without holding your breath. Mm, so constantly having the fluid breath. Yes. yes I love that. Slowing it down as much as possible. And the minute you said that, of course, my breath deepened. I, I had once heard that you cannot think about breath and think about anything else at the same time. So when you're mm. actually just thinking about like you think breath, like you're just is 110% of your focus is all completely on the breath until you think about something else. But for yeah. as long as you do that, it's just breath, breath. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. this is so amazing all of this is so juicy so insightful you are a gift to the planets and to relationships and to men and to women and i'm just so happy i have a podcast right now i'm just like yes i'm so glad i have a podcast that i get to do this and spend time with you and and hear your insights so just thank you for honoring us today Mm. for over an hour with your beautiful insight and I have a feeling you're absolutely going to be coming on again in the future. Yes, I hope so. That would be amazing. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. You're so insightful, Madeline, and, and really present. It's just, it was just beautiful, heart, heart-centered conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Everyone, as always, the show notes will be on um, my website for this and all of his links. So just go head on over to maddiemoon.com. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts if you want to comment on this podcast episode page or if you want to head on over to instagram that's absolutely like a great way to get in touch with us and let us know what you thought from this episode and if you have any follow-up questions and any comments we would love to know hope you enjoyed this and we will see you next wednesday